0: G'day listeners, welcome to another episode of Full Metal Movie Reviews. Today we got a special one. This is a Netflix special. So we've got a couple of movies that we've watched over the last month, um, all of which are exclusively, um, re- have been released on Netflix. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about those films um, and in particular the model of Netflix and whether it's just pretty much the new straight-to-video sort of market. Um, with me to discuss all things Netflix. That's pretty, that's a tongue twister. Is uh,
1: Ant. How are you, Anth? Yeah, pretty good, Sam. Uh, thanks for having me back after locking you up in the garage and taking over the pod a couple episodes ago. So, cheers. Uh, that's all right. This was, it was a good break from the
0: wife. And also, we got a third uh, guest this week, and it's Dave O from Sydney. How are you, Dave?
2: Hey, mate. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. That's good. Glad to be back.
0: Ah, oh, it's been a while. Been a while. All right, guys. So this week I asked the uh, my ex- este- esteemed um, colleagues to watch a couple of Netflix films. One of which was the Jared Leto vehicle, The Outsider. Um, this vehicle, a quick synopsis: It's an American. It's set after World War II, uh, in the early late '40s, I think, early '50s. Uh, an American who is imprisoned in a uh, Japanese jail, um, becomes friends with a Yakuza member, and it just shows his progress through the Yakuza once he gets out of jail. So that's the first one we'll talk about, and I think we'll keep this one pretty brief, because, guys, I found that one to be a snooze fest.
1: Yeah, well, I actually uh, fell asleep during it. Um, had to go back half an hour, and keep watching Yeah, absolutely right it, it was a literal snooze fest it tried to be
0: like a um, an artsy film I guess but it just didn't seem like a film it seemed like a sequence like a series of sequences it was very the narrative was very I don't know loose um, the dialogue was a bit odd and misplaced and it was just cut it was just cut poorly the, st- the story overall wasn't that engaging
2: what do you reckon about it Dave? what's your initial thoughts? <clears throat> um I didn't. So when I when I say I didn't mind it and I thought it was okay, like I want that just to be understood in the context that I don't think it was a good film, um, but I'm probably maybe not as harsh as you guys. I thought like um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a Leto type movie, like it just yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, like, like that's the vibe I've start I've. I guess I got from it in that I actually really did enjoy a lot of the scenes and I thought, um, some of the sequences were really good. Totally agree. I think that it was a bit choppy in the editing. So it kind of not bounced out of context, but one minute you're looking at something and in the next minute, it's like maybe progressed pretty aggressively or a character's positions kind of now slightly changed or something like that. And you're like, Oh, that, that just happened now. And, um, Yeah, so I don't know. Leto is like – I feel like I want to like him as an actor and I feel like I want to think that he's a good actor, but that didn't convince me that he is.
0: (laughs) Um, It was surreal. It was like you're just a TV show, but you missed three episodes and then this is where the character is now and without any explanation or any filler, which I don't necessarily mind, but it was just like – Oh, okay. So we're here. So it was just weird at that you don't really get a, the feel for the character's development because it's just,
1: oh, now he's doing this. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, but
1: I just just want to say with that, though, um, that was probably the only, I mean, the film itself, I enjoyed the cultural stuff and everything, don't get me wrong. Um, and I, I liked the realistic action, but I think that was the whole point was the characters there. And he's just thrown into this world and i kind of like that redeeming factor about it where you don't really know anything about leto until they had one scene which they could have got rid of and actually improved the movie by cutting half an hour out of it um but i really like the fact that you didn't know anything about leto he just jumped in there and now all of a sudden he's thrown into this world and he's the fish out of water I i thought that was a pretty good part of the movie yeah, but that was like yeah, the I first agree 10 minutes. <laughs> well, no, I was but like, I agree. it was during the first whole it,
2: thing. You're talking about when um,
1: that backstory character pops up, right? Yeah, that was absolutely useless. They could have cut that out completely.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that was extra... Like, if you're going to have a character that is being... Like, if Leto is going to be not saying anything for most of this movie, then have him be a mysterious character all the way through mm. and then let the relationships around him tell the story... Like, with his misses and all that. Don't yep. add that shit. Because you're right, it did seem a bit... Yeah, it, it didn't add enough to, for it to warrant being there.
1: Yeah, and it just came out of nowhere. Like, he's wandering the streets of Japan. And it's like it's like he's in Adelaide all of a sudden. It's like, hey, man, how you doing? Like, just randomly in a back alley. And then he's got all this backstory. And I get it that the whole scene, not trying to give too much away, um, in case we're not doing spoilers, I don't even know. Um, but... Um, you know it was meant to prove his um allegiance to the uh, yakuza but he, i believe he already did enough of that um so it was just it was just useless and it's better not knowing any of that backstory about him because we you could piece it together anyway because you have such a freaking long film you could piece it together so yeah it's completely unnecessary um here's a question for you guys
0: uh, you know when they cut the, the fingers right do they cut it above the knuckle or under the knuckle It's
1: a good
2: question because they cut they cut it at the joint right like oh, they,
0: so the the second one like uh, the second thing above the knuckle whatever that's called
2: <laughs> yeah that's right they leave a stub yeah
0: so but is it the the tip or at that joint? Because my point is if if you're a Yakuza member, right, I presumably you need your trigger fingers, and if you keep going down if you keep giving fingers and they're given index fingers like and middle fingers, not given just like a pinky, doesn't that kind of render
1: you:
2: no nah, they're um, supposed to be pinkies man I oh, was to start at the pinky oh. and they move from left to right, so if you're and you would use your non either sword carrying hand or your uh, trigger hand so for argument's sake if you're right handed you start with your left and if you've cut off all your fingers then let's be honest you're probably not going to be in the Yakuza for much longer anyway yeah, yeah that's true, true. you fucked up too many times that's true you know the yeah. first time I actually saw that was in um, that I think it was that Michael Douglas movie uh, Black Rain Black Rain that was sick fuck that was a sick movie about Yakuza Sorry, I'll digress there. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, I'm pretty sure it's at the Knuckles, Sam, because I, I think they leave the stub. Okay. Well,
0: okay. I mean, I don't mind the the cultural things are pretty cool and about the tattoos and what they mean and whatnot. I mean, that's all pretty exciting. But um I think what as a as a cohesive story, it just wasn't that good. <laughs> to be to be blunt. Um and the, as you said, Dave, Jarrett Leto, it's hard to be, I find Joe Letter to be repulsive. Like I just have something in me that I just don't like his face or the way he acts. And, agree. And I just, I think that would really work well as a villain. So when he was the Joker, he was probably the best part about Suicide Squad and then that's one of my criticisms that we didn't get enough of him as the Joker in Suicide Squad. So I think he plays the villain pretty, pretty well. Um, but... To be a protagonist. See, I don't. Know, that,
2: that was that was massively uh, divisive, though, Sam. I, I don't think everyone agrees with you on that about him and his Joker.
0: Yeah, but not everyone has my
2: opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I get that. I get that.
1: But Suicide yeah. Squad alone was a pretty shit film, anyway. So yeah, he was the best part. But that's not saying much because the entire film was crap. That's my opinion. Yeah. Okay. But my point is, <laughs> for me, I find him better
0: as a better villain because I don't. I dislike him so much, right? Yeah, correct. So, what
2: about Blade Runner? Blade Runner, though, as the villain. What are your um, thoughts on that, then?
0: Yeah, he was good. I liked him. I'm pretty sure if we go back to Blade Runner rep, I'm, I would say that. I was sceptical about really? him being in it, but he was not the worst part of that film. Um, I guess my point being is, yeah, it's hard to really get on board with him as a protagonist because you just want bad things to happen to him. I mean, he looks weird in this film, like skinny and his
1: face is like all... Malnourished. I know he's been. Didn't in... didn't he look exactly like the Joker? Like it looked like he didn't have to actually put on any makeup to be the Joker. Like I think I messaged you that while watching the film. Like he, yeah, he looked malnourished. He looked like he just hasn't been eating. He, he looks sickly, and you, were, I was actually concerned. I thought he was going to like just pass out on set. He just, he just looks horrible. But anyway, I think
2: I think you guys are onto something. I think you guys have actually. Pipped one of the greatest ruses of the Netflix library, and I'm going to call it now. This is a prequel story <laughs> to Jared Leto's Joker, right? And that they shoot—they're probably going to plan a sequel where that chick and the the their kid gets capped by some bad guys, which puts him over the edge and turns him full blown Joker. That would be pretty cool.
0: That's actually that's a pretty good cool idea. <laughs> I'm into that. That's, back, that's, that's pretty good. I'm into that backstory. Um, a, a little fun fact. Um, his love interest I forgot her name in this film. Um, but she's actually Japanese Australian. So that was a bit of a interesting twist. So she was born in Sydney. Um, I don't know what Miriue or Miri-Yu, I can't remember her name in the film.
1: But uh, uh, yeah, Mayu or Mayu, Mayu.
0: yeah. So I thought she was actually uh, pretty interesting, um, but again, I just I just found that relationship relationship odd. So they just looked at each other and they fell in love, um, or oh, it was just weird. It was just weird dynamic that they had. The chemistry
1: you saw a white guy and she wanted to bang him like that was the relationship and they moved from that that's all she's it was she's not that mate.
2: Guy in life mate <laughs> <That's laughs> alright
0: well this um, this film The Outsider um, has a an interesting perspective where if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and I know Rotten Tomatoes isn't a good barometer or a, a good indicator all the time but this has a 20% rating for critics and an 80% liked its score for the audience so again it's another case of disparity between the critics and the audience but this time it's the other way around where the critics thought this film was pretty shit and the audience liked it Um, and I guess that's kind of how it found its way onto Netflix because I've got a theory but we'll we'll talk more about that later so if you were perhaps if you were looking for something to do with your missus on a Saturday night would this be a film you'd be interested to go into the cinema to watch
1: no. <laughs>
2: 120
1: <laughs> minutes, man. Fuck. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, but you're saying that in the context, having seen it. Mm. Like, if, if you'd asked us that question just based off trailers, I don't know. I might have, because my missus doesn't mind some of the more arty-style films, and she doesn't mind um, the different cultural focus stuff. So, to be honest, I actually, there would be a good chance, yeah, I probably would have gone to the cinema to see it. Because the trailers would have had enough for me to do that. I mean, this
0: is kind of like in the in the genre of like artsy gangster film, I guess. Have you seen uh, um, Ryan? I think Ryan Gosling in Drive or Driver, um, and that other film he's done, Only God Forgives, where it's kind of like a slow pace sort of. Uh,
2: that's gangster what. Film. Yeah, yeah. That's the comparisons I was drawing when I was yeah. seen, when I was actually yeah. watching it. I was like Ryan Gosling kind of did this better, but in just as a... in another difficult movie.
0: But that's my point, I guess, is that Ryan Gosling can hold um, the camera. with, And again, they're very similar, that they're not really a lot of dialogue and it's kind of slow-paced, but Ryan Gosling can actually hold the camera um, and he's a bit more of a engaging protagonist, more charisma about him than Jared Leto, pretty much.
1: Well, just a fun fact on that, Sam, is Jared Leto was the third choice. They had uh, Michael Fassbender originally, um, but then there was a director change, and then Tom Hardy was the um, the second choice. But then he had to depart, um, so then they went with Jared Leto. Um, right. So that mm. might get rid of your theory about the Joker, Dave. Sorry, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I. But when you look at those other two, like uh, I don't know, Tom Hardy maybe might have been a little better, but. I just think Jarrett was phoning it in. He can't, he doesn't have enough charisma to me to carry mm. film. He's a film. He's a supporting role. He's kind of like the joker. He comes in, he's crazy, he disappears. That That's the type of character uh, that Jarrett Leto plays for me. Yeah. He's not
0: a leading man. He's more of a character actor. Sort of disappears into like an obscure role and pops up in the film for like 20 or 30 minutes. And that's it. mm. All right. Well, yeah. anyway, so that's my point. Is it wasn't really well received by critics, and uh, this thing was picked up, I believe, by Netflix for distribution. So, the other film that um, I requested everyone to watch um, was Annihilation. So that came out, I think, last week or the week before, and that was a sci-fi thriller, um, pretty much based on the book. I think it's called Annihilation. Perhaps I'm not sure, and it's set on the premise that there's this environmental disaster in the sense that a portion of America has been, um, I don't know, what would you say, blocked off by this weird shimmering sort of, it's like a circumference or a diameter. Um, And inside is an alien who is mutating um, the planet Earth and terraforming it into something unique and different. And... Uh, the USA sends in a group of, of scientists to um, basically find out what's going on and get some data. They sent in a couple teams before, but nothing's come back. Um, so they've tried something different by sending in female scientists as opposed to a male military team. And um, through the course of that scientist expedition inside the, the, the middle of this sort of uh, shimmer or dome or circumference, or this basically this terraformed area of the United States, they find that it's an alien, actually an alien invasion. Now again, this wasn't a straight sci-fi. It had did have some thriller elements, like a few jumps, not many, uh, not a lot of action. It was more of an artsy slow burn as well. What did you guys? What do you guys think of uh, Annihilation?
2: Um, oh, Anth, did you see this one? I did.
1: Yeah, so I watched this last night. Um, well, I'll let you go first, Dave.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I was pretty conflicted, actually, with this, because, um, again, this was another one that I saw trailers for, and I was like, oh, this could actually be a pretty sick film. I was, I was on board for a lot of it, and I found this to be more boring in parts than um, The Outsider. I, the Thriller elements, when they happened, were really cool. And that thing with the bear, like, was actually one of the most disturbing things I've seen in a movie. And I was like, fuck, like, that, was, that was pretty epic. Um, I, I, I got most of the themes, I think. Um, I know some YouTubers seem to get pretty deep into some of this shit, but I think they're pulling at straws here. But um, I think it was shot pretty well. And I think thematically it was pretty great. But just the pacing just sort of killed it for me. Um, I yeah. I could
0: I agree with everything you said. There. The the oh, it was odd pacing, um, low payoffs. I felt that the the climactic scene um, between her and the, the sentient alien life form was bizarre, um, and the grenade that the one grenade wiped out everything. I thought mm. it, was, it wasn't didn't have a really satisfying conclusion. The story um, I know at the end she's like, well, hey how do you know that you're the original person? There's like a twinkle in the eye and it's like, mm-hmm, she might not be, you know what I mean? Like it's just a bit cliche. Yeah, that was a cop out, man. Yeah.
2: That was like, it, I don't think that was ever meant to be. There's, there's nothing that leads you to believe that they switched. Do you know what I mean? Like the camera yeah. stays on them the whole time Yeah, exactly. in that room. There is no misdirection.
0: Mm. And i the other thing I found that, uh, really annoying was this film. is like, why did people uh, what when you're writing these films, do they know that they're wasting people's time by adding in stupid confrontations and and conflicts? So they set a group a group of scientists go out to explore what's happening. And when they're confronted with the weirdness of um that video, um the vid- there's a video of the previous expedition, where they show the soldiers cutting up open one of their team members and the insides moving. Why the fuck would you deny it? Why would there be a person in that crew denying what they just saw? And then why would you... Mate, then is have that to a be- legit
2: question, though, for this day and age?
0: But like, how dumb... Like, What are you talking about? You're a fucking scientist. You just saw a big mutated alligator try to kill you. You've seen all this weird stuff happening... And you thought, oh, no, that didn't happen. That was a trick of the light. And then they had to have some, some bullshit conflict. Like, who cares? Like, what are you fucking... Conf- like, you should all be on the same page. Yeah, we're in a fucked up place. And yeah, we're seeing some fucked up shit. Like, the the infighting between the, the, the crew members was the most redundant, bo- batshit, boring, cliched aspects
1: of these films where it was just a waste of time. Yeah, so my thoughts on that was... And this entire film, um, a lot of the stuff felt very forced. So, including that. So, it, always in these movies, you and I've seen a lot of fucking monster films and whatever. So, there's always that conflict amongst the crew. And you got to have some person who goes crazy and everything like that. This film was a simple story. It was a simple sci-fi film that was masked by all these fucking shitty CGI effects. I'm sorry, that bear looked like shit. I'm just saying um, masked by all that crap and they just made a simple story they dragged it on they put all these lovely colours and shit and tried to create something that was more complicated than what it had to be so that's that's that so that conflict you're talking about was just forced because it's one of the the things that needs to be in these genre films that's all
2: I, Ant, I don't think I agree with you in that it needs to be in there it was forced, though. I totally agree with what you were saying with that. Like, you, 100%, man, it felt forced, the whole thing. And as Sam said, it just made no sense why she would argue it. Um, and to use the term, I'm a paramedic, I've seen some shit trick your eyes at nighttime. Oh, that was like, bullshit right there. Are you right fucking there. kidding me, <laughs> right? Was but, uh, yeah, but I Dave, think they have would... to have them, man. I don't Dave, think I they would, have to have those. No, scenes. they
0: don't. But I would accept it if that was the first thing they saw and they, like, if everything was, like, the same and they didn't see anything terraformed. They didn't see the yeah, flower fecal. people. Yeah. Um, they didn't see that massive alligator. That that's what Anth is saying,
2: yeah. though. Anth is saying it was forced, man. Like, it 100% was. Like, that That conflict was rammed down our throat for the scene later on yeah. when she ties them up and then there's the bear. Oh my like, that's God. the only reason why you have mm. pre. Anth, we don't care about it. We spoil everything. That's the that's the only reason why they, correct that there, correct. It, but it, at least,
0: I was gonna yeah. say, it it, it 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 pretty much was that for that reason. But I'm like, when that just happens, like, do people know that this is 2018? And when they're writing this stuff, people are now in more, the audience is more educated than ever. And if I can see that that's clearly a plot device for some layer of payoff or something. It's like, who gives a fuck? In, in, like, you've got to give us a bit more of a, a better story than just saying, oh, yeah, they're upset, and then they're going to – so we can give, give you a cool sequence down the track.
1: Well, the problem is, is also that style of filming. So I really can't stand um, that exposition style. So what I mean by that is you've got the beginning where she's pretty much – you know she survived, right? Because she's there. And then she's telling everybody else what's happened. So everything is pretty much through her eyes. So you know that she's just, you know, she's rambling off the events, right? Um, so I've lost my fucking train of thought now. What were we talking about? What we're we talking about... Tell me out, Sam. Throw me a bone. About just um,
0: how the... The narrative of the fi- of the film is is quite evident evident that it's just um, the the it's just been constructed to give us a payoff as opposed to telling a story.
1: Yeah, correct. So the story. So essentially, she's telling that story. So what I'm trying to say is, as an audience member, you you already know that okay, everyone in the crew is dead, right? So you already know this at the very beginning. And that's why I can't stand that style of of filmmaking because it just spoils everything for you at the very beginning of the movie. And then it's just about how they die. So it's just, they're just filling in blanks. And I think to what your, your point is, yes, it's 2018. I I think that style of writing is redundant. I think like they need to, if they want to captivate an audience, they need to stop treating us like we're, like we're idiots um, and start feeding us a story Um, That would make more sense. Like, what would you do in that situation, Sam, if you saw a fucked up video, but you've already walked through this fucked up city? What would you do? Would you accept it? I probably would.
0: Yeah, I'll be like, "Uh, yeah, (laughs) that's fucked up. This place is fucked up. Uh, Let's just hurry up and get to that fucking lighthouse. Like, it would not be any sort of,
2: oh no, man,
0: I'm denying it. Like, what is there to deny? Um, It's pretty evident from your experiences thus far the fact that you can't remember the past four days or the fact that you've seen a weird crocodile with alligator... Sorry, a crocodile with shark's teeth mutation. You've seen Mm -hmm. these weird flower people pop up. You've seen weird life, just weirdness, full stop, from the moment you've entered in, from the moment you are to that video. So why the fuck are you so fixated on it not being real? It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't also make any sense that she's a paramedic and that Natalie Portman is... um, like a scientist or doctor and it's implied that she's like the best of her field, like it doesn't seem like that there's an appropriate justification for the credentials. Like Nanny Portland seems to be the most, uh, uh, I guess, have the best credentials and the best justification to be there because she's has been in the military, she's a doctor, she specializes in um, bio, whatever fucking, the cellular medicine, whatever it is. Where the other... once just like a paramedic. One she cuts herself... Like, I don't know. It was just, it's just odd. It was like, I would have I thought they'd gotten... Try to get the best of the best together. Oh, they
2: they slipped, that, they slipped the info in. Like, one was actually some sort of, like, engineer. She was like an electronic systems communications engineer. That was a chip yeah, they, the radios. The they other, other that one ball, was... Ball uh, in
1: at the beginning of the film. Um, but then they, they slipped that information in. But then it was like, everyone... Has got nothing to live for. That that was their other credential, which I thought was a bit was a bit bullshit.
2: So do you know what's interesting though? Like when you talk about plot devices and how shit was really forced in this, and the pacing was really poor. When I look back at Garland's films, and I'm thinking about what I have seen, I've seen 28 Days Later, I've seen 28 Weeks Later, and Dread. Um, 28 Weeks Later. <laughs> eh. I didn't really get into that. But 28 Days Later,
1: mm. I thought it was
2: fucking awesome. Prima. Dread was actually an awesome film too. And they were both fairly simple in their approach and were pretty, um, I think, on point with like their this script delivery. And he was a screenwriter. He's actually been a screenwriter on almost every film he's done. Um, there's only two he wasn't a screenwriter for, and that was 28 Weeks Later and Big Game. So, I'm a bit surprised that he went from making two movies like that and wasn't able to effectively transition this book material to the screen. Like, you've got a guy that was able to get Dread into a a, a cult classic film. You know what I I mean?
0: Yeah, Um, you you expect probably a more polished and refined product than what we got in this film. Um, And I think. I was listening to some other podcasts, and I think what the issue is here, Dave, um, which is what is actually a good segue to my next topic. Uh, So basically, the producers of this film gave the director too much sort of leeway that he could tell whatever sort of story he wanted to tell, and he could leave it open ended and, you know, artistic, I guess, for interpretation. Whereas the money men wanted to um, – or the back of the financiers, sorry, wanted to see a few, a few more hard edits to make it a bit more of a quicker pace and you know make it more, I guess, popcorn-y, like an actual sci-fi popcorn film. Producers won out. So my point being, I this was actually released in theatres in the States, um, but internationally is Netflix and it was backed by Paramount but i th- I've got a feeling that the reason why it isn't really refined and it is kind of a lot of waffle and just weirdness like in terms of the plot is because the direct the director was just given too much liberty if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, Jeremy Johns, the other YouTube reviewer guy, basically he said that it you know he had one word for it and he just found it indulgent. So that that completely aligns with what you just said, and I guess that makes sense to me now.
0: Yeah, his review, and it also makes sense that for a film that was made for about forty million, which is pretty low by today's budget standards, that they'd completely sell this to Netflix because they probably the financiers probably just wanted to get their money back because they knew that this was not going to make the money that they initially thought. Um, so hence why it landed in Netflix's um, hands.
2: Can I, can I ask you a question, both you guys here? I'd like your opinion on this. Do you think that because sci-fi films have um, been a bit... Okay, sci-fi community has always been very supportive of a lot of sci-fi films that come out, and everyone sort of feels grateful for half-decent sci-fi, that there's a lot of excuses get made for movies like this and even Blade Runner 2049 to a certain extent, where, like, I've seen a lot of people, Sam, really, like, fucking take up arms in defense of this movie and trying to elevate it to something that it's not. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: I, I that's a completely valid you, observation. Yeah. 100% agree.
2: Do you, so I guess my actual question then, from what I've just said, is do you think that the, it's time that the actual community stopped being, um, so fanboyish and started being more objective about the stuff that they're producing for the sci-fi fans.:
0: Well, y- yes and no. I mean, the reason why they're so defensive is that we, don't, we haven't really been in an environment that we get a lot of sci-fi films, so in the past, only, we only would maybe perhaps get one every three or four years, so that's why we've got to show patronage and, and, and say, "Oh no, no we, we support this sort of genre. But I think that's changing now because of the things like Netflix, um, you know, Hulu, um, you know, um, Amazon Prime, where there's more mediums to disperse or distribute content. Where we're going to get more sci-fi, so I don't think we need to necessarily fucking be so um, one-eyed in our support of these sort of fi- genres, genre films. So a good case in point would be um, there was a film released last year called. Um, Valerian, the city of whatever and it was made by the guy that did the fifth element now when the fifth element came out I was like oh yeah this is a really cool film blah 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 and in retrospect it's pretty it's pretty pokey and it's pretty not a lot holds up but I was really adamant about that being a good film like you know as you said you go and you defend the film and I tried to watch this Valerian film I was like man this is a fucking trash movie and you go online and people love it and they're like, oh, no, you just don't like sci-fi. It's like, no, it's it's not – you don't have to just like sci-fi to then support a film. You have to like the story. That's the most important part. And if you don't get a good story, fundamentally, the sci just because it's sci-fi doesn't mean anything because it's just boring when it comes down to it. So that's a complete and 100% accurate observation where I think now that we live in a climate where – we get more niche films, more genre films. We don't. We should probably hold these films to a higher standard and just call them out for what they are: if they're good, bad, or, or just indifferent. And to me, this is a clearly an indifferent film. Hans, any thoughts?
1: I just think uh, sci-fi films these days focus too much on the um, the artistic values of what they think sci-fi is meant to be. But if you go back to even the freaking 20s and whatever, when it was like teenagers from outer space and shit like that, it was simple stories with, you know, relatable characters and realistic situations. Um, Even if it was set in space, if it was set in the future, it, it was watchable and you could relate. Whereas you watch something like this and... At like, you know, the ending is two two fucking, a CGI character and whatever doing a choreographed fucking river dance almost you know, as your climax and you just think to yourself, if they just cut out all this bullshit and just gave us a story this film would be so much better, so Um, a lot of the genre
0: I don't necessarily agree with that because I think that in the past we've gotten some really cool um, artistic sort of Thought-provoking films in the sci-fi genre. So, he, if he Stanley Kubrick's, obviously, you know, that's one. The Space Odyssey. Mm. Um, also, uh, recently, just thinking about it, we've had. Um, I think the guy who did Mute, the, the next, the next Netflix film I want to talk about, he did a film called Moon with Sam Rockwell. That was really cool about clones and the rights of humans. And what does it that mean to awesome, be him? That was that movie. That was a fantastic yeah, film. Yeah, I liked it, man. yeah. I think the, this guy who did Annihilation also did another film. Um, uh, it had um, Oscar Isaac in it as well, uh, and it's about AI. Ah, oh, shit, it's on the top of my head. I'm really – I'm losing my memory as I get older. I'm going to quickly look this up. Apologies if you can hear me typing. Um, Dave, do you know what I'm talking about? It's Scott, games. No, it had um, – he, he basically, Oscar Isaac gets someone to test his new AI to see if he can break it. Oh, Ex marketer Ex Marketer, 2014 Ex Marketer. Fantastic film. Yeah, that, was,
2: that was Garland's film he did before this. Yeah. Which is probably yeah. why they gave him all the leeway, which is yeah. why he got away with making this.
0: Correct. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying I think if there's one genre of film or the genre of film that gives us the opportunity to be forward-thinking and thought-provoking, it's sci-fi. But to Anthony, to your point though, I kind of think, You're hit the nail on the head it doesn't have to be every sci-fi film and sometimes if you just get a good story that's enough aka Star Wars
1: look I agree with what you're saying as well where you know that's that's the sci-fi genre I mean I'm not the biggest sci-fi fan which is probably why I'm pretty uh, you know one-sided with my opinion on that um, but this film was definitely a case of way too much. And a very recent film that just came out, 10 um, not 10 Cloverfield Lane, The Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix, um, was another, another situation where, you know, it was just way, way too much of this hokey shit um, and just not enough story. So, I mean, that's my opinion on that. Um, but again, that's from somebody who just jumps onto these sci-fi films, not as a sci-fi fan, but it's just someone who just likes movies. So, that's that. take it for what you want.
0: No, you're not wrong. I mean, like I said, it's all about it's all about getting that balance, and that's why when it's pulled off well, these films are remembered and they're almost timeless because they're not really set in any particular gear or period of 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 man, mankind. It's futuristic. It can always be forward considered to be forward. So it's just, I just don't think he, it just didn't come off this, this time. It didn't come off.
1: So I would say, I'll just, I'll, sorry, Sam, I just want to say one pro about this film. Cause we, we did say a lot of negative, Well, not negative. It's all fucking true, but I want to say one pro about this film. Um, I did like the, uh, I did like the female characters. Cause a film like this, if you had a bunch of army guys in there and they went down the route that they went, I think that would have just made the film like a hundred times worse. And I think having the women in there just brought a different perspective as to what a sci-fi slash horror action, whatever, could be. And I, can't, I did enjoy that. And I wish we saw more um, realistic character development amongst those characters. So just want to throw that in there before we move on to the next film. Or next oh, no, yeah. it,
2: in saying I'm, that, though, in saying that, and sorry, Sam, and I'm coming over the top but Anth, I actually want to see the film of the army guys when they were cutting open the stomach. I want to see what <laughs> happened to those dudes and why the um the what's his name Kane fucking decided to go phosphorus grenade suicide at the end. Cuz well, I a pre- think that's that a prequel, probably be a
1: pretty cool move. That's a prequel, mate. That's uh that's in development now.
2: Um,
0: yeah, I, I don't have any issues with the female characters. I think they're. I mean, I think Natalie Portman was really good in this film. Um, it just, just, just felt flat. It was just tone deaf to be honest. It just went for too many things and it didn't get any of them. Um, but that's going to lead me to the next point. So you brought a film, Cloverfield Paradox, then another Netflix release that's been that came out I think in February, um, just after the Super Bowl, and. Here's my thing, here's my theory that I got for you guys. So basically Netflix is committed, um, I don't know, I can't remember the figure but it was in the billions for new IP, um, new content and basically purchasing stuff and it's doing this because it needs to obviously get its hands on as much content as it can um, before Disney comes online with its streaming service But and to really keep its name as the premier or, or I guess the the number one streaming service worldwide. So out of that, I think we're getting more quantity than quality at the moment and I think I've got a theory that producers are selling films directly to Netflix that they know have zero marketability um, or zero sort of potential to get their money back. Uh, and the reason why I say that is the la- this 2018 in particular has been a really substandard year so far in next in Netflix film um, re- releases and I fear that the brand itself or the Netflix the brand as a is getting I would say pretty close to being associated with me- mediocre um, content as opposed to premier content So with that in mind, I've got a question for you. Do you think Netflix is now the straight-to-video online database where it's just a movie that's not good enough to be released theatrically gets a run in Net- on Netflix?
1: Not yet. Not yet? <laughs> not yet, but it's, uh, it's definitely going that way. When Steven Seagal starts popping up in every Netflix original film with uh, Van Damme, then we know that it's uh, finally made it. <laughs> I actually would look forward to that. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Fat cigar and Van Damme just causing trouble. Every Netflix original film, uh, Netflix original. Uh, look, I've only had a Netflix for a few months, mm-hmm. uh, and I do enjoy it. I like the Netflix originals, because the majority of that are you know that pop up are like horror films because they're cheap to make and everything like that. And you know, for that, for lower, like I think for films that don't need a budget. Like driver was it driver? Is that the film where it's literally just set in a car the entire time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. film. I, like I, I enjoyed that. That was a good film. And you know, you don't need to put much money in, you know into a film like that. And I think when they they keep it simple, they can actually produce uh, fairly good quality films that would make it in the cinemas, but maybe not get not get such a wide audience because people wouldn't go for it because it doesn't have the blockbuster uh, appeal. Um, but then lately this year with all these big budget sci fi films and I throw that Will Smith is it bright or blight? I can't remember. Bright, whatever. Bright, I think um, it's Bright. 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 Yeah, I throw Bright in there too. It just feels like it just feels like a, a big budget film. Um, but the, the actors are kind of phoning it in and, and the, this quality of script writing isn't there. So I think if it keeps going this way, not producing, if they want to keep producing big-budget films, they need to bring the quality up. Otherwise, yeah, it's just going to be yeah, a direct-to-video outlet.
2: It's interesting, the, the theory. And I think, Sam, I reckon you're close, and I'm going to add a take on it, right? And you guys can come back and think if I'm wildly crazy. But I think uh, Netflix don't... Okay, first off, I don't think Netflix actually give a fuck about their movie library. And it's definitely quantity over quality. Netflix came to absolute the forefront and prominence with its series. And it's all about the binge-watching TV seasons and about getting people hooked. It's a subscription service. So they want people to be paying that monthly subscription so that they're lined up every year, year on year, to be getting in so that they can binge watch their TV series, whatever they are. And I think um, that's the, that's still the main driver for Netflix. And I think you're close, Sam, in that when you say they're trying to like scramble up all the IP because the things, they are mediocre, but the actual IP has a lot of potential, which is why I think there's so much... Um, division amongst the, the fan base because Netflix has all this algorithmic data on what people like what um, they give four stars to this and that and so they, when they do their assessments of IP and movies if you look at Bright on paper for the boxes it ticks you think that IP is going to be an absolute monster hit um, you look at uh, and again things like Annihilation and all that there's definitely aspects that people would be pumping into those algorithms. So, I actually reckon what they're doing, Sambo, is locking down those IP, and I would not be surprised if we start seeing a bright Netflix series, or like a story from the bright mm. universe, Yeah, fair enough. and you start seeing the universe spin-off stuff, and they start pumping out that type of content, and that's how they stay ahead of Disney and all those guys. Well, the that's their is- money spinner. The series, the TV series yeah. is their money spinner. Have you been watching Altered Carbon? Not like
0: That's yet. pretty good. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, okay, I agree 110%, 110% that their TV um, production and TV series, they released monster hits. I mean, they came out of the gate when they first came on, on the scene with um, House of Cards. House of Cards Season 1 and 2 is probably the, some of the best television I've ever seen. Um, Orange is, Orange is New Black, another monster hit. And they've just organically grown that sort of um, uh, content pretty good. Like Stranger Things, huge. He um, said Alton Carbon was huge. Uh, the Sinner was like a you know true detective style film. Uh, sorry, TV series. That was series. cool, actually. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. The other one about... Um, what was the other one about... Um, uh, about profiling of the serial killers by the
2: FBI. Uh, Mine Hunter.
0: Mine Hunter. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so their, t- their TV shows aren't a are, 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 are grade HBO sort of quality. Um, that's can't dispute that they've they've gotten more hits than misses. I mean, then even their Marvel stuff was pretty like Daredevil season one was pretty interesting and season two was pretty interesting, but it's kind of, they have kind of gone off the wayside now. And I'm worried that that that's the trend that we're now getting is um, as the as the producers and writers and creators of these Netflix series get known for good having good Netflix series and become more prominent, they then go away to another major player and develop their own sort of series elsewhere. Because, like, if you look for it, for instance, I'll use the Marvel um, as an example. So, Daredevil season one was really a quality. Season 2 wasn't too bad. Um, Jessica, Jessica Jones Season 1 was good. Um, um, Iron Fist was horrible. And then um, Luke Cage was okay in parts. It was a good half season. The Defenders were so mediocre. It was absurd. The Punisher is not Punisher. It's just so boring and mediocre. Jessica Jones series series Season 2 is being negative, negatively received. I haven't watched it yet, but apparently it's pretty just... Dis- Again boring and dull so my point is i think there's there's a clear trend downwards and they've kind of had more misses lately than they've had hits and if you uh, look at
2: but dude the marvel universe though i how much of that is 100 netflix and how much of it is like forced direction from the larger marvel brand
0: um i'm not sure that, that that's kind of my point is that i don't know what Netflix actually produces as opposed to what it buys the rights to. So my so with these movies, right? Okay, so Bright, the the film Anthony was talking about before, um, that that's gotten like as you said Dave, it's fans like it, 85% sort of audience score to a 20 cent critic score, right? So you're right about the algorithms so of fans actually liking it. But that film, Bright, I think, was made by Netflix. So they put the money in to actually make that film. Okay, but something like, say, the Cloverfield Paradox, I truly believe that they just bought the rights to that film. The producers knew it was garbage, so they then just bought the rights to have it on their product on their platform. So I and because they bought the rights, they slapped their name on it. So it's a film by Netflix. So it's hard to tell to answer that question. Uh, what has become really clear is that they're just getting their hands on as much stuff as possible in order
1: to, I guess, have a bigger content library. You know what? That's that's also not too too much of a bad thing as well. There's, there's a big pro to that. Um, a recent film, a Spanish horror film called uh, Veronica. Yeah, Veronica. Um, Netflix got their hands on that. They distributed that, and you know that's that's a film that a handful of people have seen at a at a film festival, and that was a really that was a really good movie. So when they do stuff like that, and they bring other films that we wouldn't necessarily even hear about or see, that's definitely a pro. But when they're just buying something for the sake of buying something and sending crap out, then obviously that's an you know that's that negative that we're talking about. Well, I mean. Netflix does have
0: a handful of movies or a couple of movies off the top of my head that are that are certified um, good films, if not borderline great films. Um, oh no, actually, I'll say they're all great films. Uh, so, have you guys heard of Mudbound? That came out last year, two thousand seventeen. Oh. It actually had a few Oscar nominations. is about um, you know uh, American uh, racial issues. Post World War II, in I think Miss Missouri um, or Mississippi Delta, some you know, some region in South um, Southern America. Um, so, that was a really good drama, um, period drama, a fantastic film. Um, I highly recommend that film again. To your point, Anth, I might not have seen it if it wasn't on Netflix, and that was a Netflix film, um, so that was fantastic. We talked about this last year. Um, it made the, our list of best films of two thousand and seventeen was Okja. Uh, that's a South South Korean film. I think this one was actually made by Netflix, so they put the money into actually physically making it. And that was a, another fantastic film. And the Beasts of No Nation with Idris Elba about the um, uh, the African country that's you know child um, soldiers and the whole conflict about one guy's one child's experience being a child soldier in Africa fantastic film, great film, like I can't say enough about the, the uh, production quality, the story, everything was nail on the head. So I feel that when they don't do those genre films, that they actually have more success and that's why I get what Dave's saying is that they got obviously algorithms where they go, oh, this is this the, our, our viewers like these types of films, so let's make these types of films. But they just fundamentally can't pull them off. And what they're really good at is giving us stories that are rich in narrative and story. So, A Beast of No Nation, Mudbound, and that's not the direction they're going in. They seem to be going more in the genre sort of side of things. So, well, are they
2: going more, or are they just going in addition to? Because I, well, I don't know. Actually, if they're, they're producing twice. Like, who cares? In that, what I mean is, you're, you're paying for a subscription and. There's already enough good content on there that I actually don't really care if the rate is hyper accelerated with heaps of garbage if the good content is still being delivered as is. Right. And I'm a moderate user. So, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, does it even matter? Like, what, what's the, is your concern or is your criticism potentially then? Are you thinking that it's a distinct direction that Netflix is actually going in? Um, I think it's just in addition to.
0: Okay, it could be in addition to. But my point is that the saturation um, is causing, it, you know, when you have a high standard, right, it's hard to maintain that high standard. It's hard to maintain those hits, right? But by adding more, you're automatically lowering that standard. And a couple of things, that, a couple of things why that could be a bad thing is that it's not going to necessarily lead to better stuff. If that makes sense. So if you're consi- if you're just making shit for the sh- for the sake of making shit, odds are you're gonna get more sh- garbage TV shows and films. But if you um, keep the scope a bit more narrow and um, you know have more control over things, presumably you'd get better content. And that was why my point initially about when Netflix sort of came first on the scene, they had some phenomenal TV shows and they released some phenomenal movies. But now that they've widened the scope, it's just a general. It's just it comes more of the same. It's all garbage, and I generally don't watch. Um, it's hard. It's like you just you just. Const- I mean, do you ever find yourself in that Netflix coma where you just constantly going next, 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 looking for something to watch? But there's like thousands of things on there, and but nothing seems to really get what your know, grasp your attention as something is a must watch. Yeah,
2: but that's that's what FoxTEL became, right? And that's all the bullshit. Um, that's my point. Kardashian, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
0: exactly. And but I'm who, worried that, that gonna... Netflix is going to go in that direction well,
2: I for don't the think sake of will. content. Well, okay, they might, but I don't think it will be the sole. I think Netflix have, they've got enough data and they've been around long enough and they've got a big enough market share and they know what works in that <laughs> they. Okay, they can probably make enough stuff to keep the masses happy, and let's put you on a pedestal and say that you have a higher brow level of what you accept as quality entertainment, and maybe Netflix no longer becomes the streaming service for you, which may be the concern, which I could see an argument for, Sambo, right? And, okay... So then it becomes the new Foxtel. But then you're going to have things like Stan and those other guys which are going to try and create their own content. I mean, we have seen it, you know, YouTube, Amazon, everyone's got a streaming service. It's it's almost like a, a cryptocurrency scene here, man. Like, everyone's got a fucking streaming service. It's going to be interesting to see who outlives them all when Disney comes on the scene. But what's do you think Disney even has enough content to target the 30 to 40-year-olds? The guy who have a bit not. of excess cash and can actually that want to see shit regularly?
0: No, but those 30 to 40-year-olds probably have kids and they probably want to get it for their kids. I mean, it's not necessarily... Look, what I'm trying to say is, I guess, I used to enjoy Netflix because it had that Aura or perceived um, higher sort of quality standard, and a lot of the shows that they made were really good. Now it's not; it's kind of not the case. I mean, we might—I don't. Who am I to say, right? But I just feel that if if we just keep getting garbage for the sake of garbage, and they keep getting enough hits, misses, like the whole Adam Sandler thing, giving Adam Sandler the freedom to write whatever he wants. It's just it's just content for the sake of content, and at some point, they're I don't know two hundred billion dollars worth of debt, whatever that absorbent amount of debt they've they're holding. They can't really they're really talking about having to up the subscription fees to pay for this content. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's going to come a crisis point where the debt that they leverage pretty much all their IP against isn't worth the interest that they're paying, and it's going to either result in Netflix assets being sold, i.e. they're, you know uh, no, does just say House of Cards gets to go on channel, I don't know, seven or channel ten or eight for whatever reason. Does that make sense? So it, it's not necessarily a
2: good business model. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's an underpriced service at the moment anyway. So I actually think they got quite a I think they've been offering their services at a um, at a discount to get market share. Oh, I, think I don't really know about impressive. that. I They've think They've done an Uber, man. They've done an Uber. Look, what bucks. I know
1: is... I haven't said anything in a little bit. I want to get this out. What I what I know is that when all these uh, when all these streaming services finally crash, you guys are going to keep coming to me. You're going to ask me to rent new videos at the only video store that's still around. That's all I'm saying. Just throwing that out there. I can see it happening. I'm joking, guys. You can continue, please.
0: Um, nah, look. <laughs> i I guess my point is if it comes if they if, if if this is the trend that's cool, but I would rather have the good content over having something new to watch every second week and if disney when they released their streaming service in two thousand nineteen it's not only going to have Disney films, it's going to have Marvel films, it's probably going to have the Fox Library by then when they've acquired Fox Studios. It's probably going to have, um, no, it will have ESPN, so Disney owns ESPN, so it's going to have live sports. It's going to have pretty much such a spectrum of things to watch that Netflix isn't, is not definitely, you can see why they've made this move because they're, they're worried about what's happening in the Disney space. So I think they should have probably maybe dialed it down a bit because realistically, nobody's got time to watch all this TV, all this content that they're, they're producing. Um, and when you see the new Star Wars live-action TV series comes out on Disney Channel, fuck, nobody's going to give a fuck about Mud 2 or fucking, I'm sorry, Mute 2 or fucking, you know, um, how Orange is the New Black season 20. Like, do you get my point? It's It's kind of... Just, I think they may have peaked, man. No, no one agrees.
1: Oh well, you know what? If they peak, they fold, and then someone else will come along. It's not really too big of a concern for me. I mean, you got to remember, I'm just a casual user who jumps on when someone tells me to watch a movie and uh, watches it. But when I get on Netflix, anyway. Because I got nothing to do, and I flick through, I find myself flicking through for half an hour, going, "This is all bullshit." Turning it off and finding a DVD in my collection and chucking it on—it's just uh, to me, it's a waste of money anyway. So that's my opinion on it. But there you go. Well, <laughs> I think
2: it's it's che- it's, che- it's way cheaper for me to have Stan and Netflix as opposed to having Foxtel. Agree. Right? And if I had a sports package attached to that, then I'd be set for viewing, and it'd still be a very reasonable price compared to what the full cable thing if you If Disney does acquire Fox Studios and all that sort of stuff, and then they come all right, then maybe you're right sam it's they come out and they've got like a full spectrum, then I see that more as it it just kills Fox <laughs>
1: Well, oh, okay. yeah. If, they're, if yeah. they're
2: offering a $20 service, a $20 yeah. a month package, I'm like, yeah. okay, now I'll get that. Maybe I'll drop Stan and I'll keep Netflix. Yeah, I know. And then I spend 36 bucks a month on streaming services. So I, 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 I don't didn't think about that. Yeah, hmm. I actually think Foxtel is the one that's in the biggest trouble at the moment. And when you consider in Australia, they lost like EPL to Optus of all services, like that's a pretty. That's a we're giving up sort of mentality. So I reckon it's the whole pay TV thing is now done.
0: On demand is the new way, is, is the new sort of uh, way to distribute content on demand. That's clearly the best way to do it um, because people live lives that are very busy and they just want to watch shit. When they want to watch shit on their iPad, on their iPhones, on the train, wherever, on a plane, in bed, that's how they want to consume content. I 100% agree with you. I mean, live sport seems to be the only thing you can't have that on demand um, functionality with because it's obviously live sport. But everything else, there's no reason why it isn't, shouldn't be on demand. I mean, HBO still have a pretty good model where they keep this serial TV television series um, relevant, particularly with um, Game of Thrones um, and how that pretty much still draws in millions and millions and millions and millions, and millions of dollars for them. But I think that's now the exception to the rule because H the Game of Thrones is probably like the gold standard of television series and that's probably one of the few exceptions where people would tune in at that time every week to watch maybe Walking Dead you could argue that one as well but I I kind of see your point I didn't really I, in my mind I guess I kind of already accepted that that was over for fo- like the, the content the way Foxtel and, and cable works I kind of already thought that, that that was over if that made sense that they weren't even in the contention or consideration and my main concern was with Netflix and against Disney and all these other um, streaming services as opposed to against conventional because I think in 2018 I think that I think that's already won that conversation has already been won by the online streaming services. Yeah,
2: like, maybe. Do you know anyone at work People that, still like, have Foxtel.
0: I still have Foxtel because it's, it's the only way to get the Italian soccer league set out. Like, that's kind of the only way to do it is through Foxtel. My missus likes some of the Bravo TV shows like the bullshit reality like Real Housewives of fucking... <laughs> dick, dick, dick <laughs> I dick. not believe film. you pay for
2: that. I, yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah.
0: That's what she likes. I'm so whatever. Happy to pay for it. But that's the only reason why I have it. I don't watch anything else on those other than sport and the bullshit maybe some MTV for like if you want music in the background but that's like $114 a month can you believe that for HD sport and so you know luckily enough I don't have kids and everything else is under control so I'm actually in a fortunate enough position where I can afford $114 a month but I told my wife that pretty much as soon as um, Game of Thrones finishes and Game of Thrones is only distributed via um, cable Foxtel since Game of Thrones finishes, foxtel has gone. We're not paying for that anymore. So I'm already exiting that market. So I I I've got maybe two more years but until the next series of Foxtel comes. Um, Game of Thrones comes out, but then I'm gone and I'm never picking that up again. So I am probably one of the few people, um, thirty and under, that actively pays for Foxtel. Who isn't doing some dodge family bullshit where one guy's got four boxes and they spread the four boxes around? and They got some illegal hookup. Who isn't having their parent pay for it? Who isn't you know doing some other bullshit like that? I'm actually probably one of the few people thirty and under that actually pays out of his pocket for Foxtel. At work, nobody has Foxtel. Um, at my soccer club, nobody has Foxtel. So that in my mind is it's already it's already a dead argument. I, mean, I think. Fox is scrambling. They're trying to offer a cheaper online service where you can, you can have on-demand viewing, but it's too late. So in my mind, cable television is done and dead. My my main worry is that Netflix is going to be the, the next thing to go because it's just pumping out trash.
2: That I think it, it's going to complement it, I think. It'll complement Disney. You're probably right. You're
0: probably right. All right, well, is this the discussion point for this episode, given that we watched a couple Netflix films and, um, yeah, they all had some sort of varying degree of quality? Yeah, right, both were go- shit. Yeah, both were shit. All right, we've been going for an hour um, and some good thoughts and some good discussions, but I think we might leave it there, gentlemen. Um, thank you, listeners, for listening to this week's episode of uh, Full Metal Movie Reviews. As always, you can find us on Twitter at, at FMMRPod. Uh, on SoundCloud, on iTunes. That's how you get those things. F, um, thanks for joining us.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me.
0: And Dave, thanks for joining us for this week.
2: Thanks, mate. It was enjoyable.
0: And until next week, listeners, cheers.